16 minutes past 7 on this Youth Day morning, and uh, we have to talk about matters that pertain to young people. And not just today, but I think um, it's also a great day to do it, Mm -hmm. because uh, it's a day that symbolizes a lot when you look at what happened in 1976. But you fast track to 2021, and we still have this issue of racism playing out in schools. Yeah. There have been um, a number of uh, numerous incidents and stories of racist behavior, separatist language policies, parents fighting for equal treatment of learners. I mean, it's all happening. Public schools, private schools, you name it. Despite the laws being changed, despite us having one of the most glorious constitutions in the world, and we see a situation where many formerly white schools or formerly white-only schools um, that are now allowing every other race in are, are displaying a lack of flexibility and accommodation in the various identities that exist in the school. So yes, black people are allowed, but Mm. they still are made to feel that they're not part of that community of people, that they don't belong there. So um, let's bring in our first guest here to talk about this issue of systemic racism in schools. Equal education is a movement for learners and parents, teachers, community members all working towards quality and equality in South African education. And joining us on the line speaking on behalf of Equal Education is Rushoke Etwi Mapohole, who is the Equal Education's Head of Internal Education and Training Unit. Good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Mo. Thanks for having me. I mean, we're here um, all these years later, but let's start in the beginning. What is systemic racism? And I think the key word here is also systemic. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, first I want to say when, when the phrase systemic racism became popular, I was like, "How? what's going on? Because racism itself is systemic, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that now we have it as a systemic racism because a lot of the time when people will talk about racist incidents or racism, folks would like to make it like it's an individual problem, like, oh, it's just and you're always being new to Shoki, right? But mm. actually, there's systems that ensure that racism and that black people are left behind. So I'll give examples. So people, when you say systems, they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Mm. So we're talking about um, financial systems. We're talking about the world of work. We're talking about education. Recently, uh, we had the case where it was found out that SNB is actually, high, is actually giving black people higher interest rates mm. on their mortgages, Right. That is systemic racism. Uh, when you think about the world of work, uh, in order to be able to, to even find a job, you have to really perform whiteness. Hmm. And what, what I mean with this is that you have to sound closer to whiteness. Like, we know things like your accent matters, mm. how your yeah. dress matters, mm. right? Like, maybe mm. even put on a tie. Mm. That's whiteness. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So all these things indicate how racism, it's not just about one-on-one encounters, but it's actually really systemic things that stem for white people and discriminate black people, right? And we've seen this also with lockdown, Mm. um, where where soldiers, if they find a a black person who's perhaps outside and where we're not following the lockdown rules, they were treated more violently. And and you can see that there's there's implicit bias involved here because maybe the thinking is that, oh, this black person, they're not rational, they can't think. But when they encounter white people breaking breaking, uh, lockdown rules, it's, Ma'am, are you okay? Can I assist mm. you? Mm. So these differences really show how sure. being entrenched we, we our thinking is yeah. when, like, in centering white people at mm. the expense of black people. 
Rishu kids, when we bring it down to the school level, we see a lot of the formerly white-only schools um, obviously having had a colonial past then almost force children to assimilate. So it's almost like you fit in or you get out. What commitment can schools make to, to sort of eradicate that? But I think if we, if we only ask schools to commit, then we're, not, we're never going to solve the problem, mm. right? Um, and we see some schools are trying. There's, there's yeah. a few private schools that have different programs, but that's not enough, right? Um, and even to say students should be the ones to, to fight these things is not mm. enough because we've seen with Pretoria Girls High, mm. uh, they first came out and said, you know, there's discrimination, they want us to change our hair. And then recently again in 2020, other students of Victoria Girls High came back again and said, wait, there's still racism in the school. So it's mm. not enough even for the students themselves to fight it. It has, there has to be political will, yep. right? Yep. Um, and I also want to mention that a lot of the time when we talk about systemic racism in schools, we talk about public, we talk about private schools, mm. right? But it's also there in public, it's right yes. also in public schools, right? Mm. Um, you know, when you simply consider the fact that we talk about these things all the time, infrastructure, um, there's no labs mm. in, in a lot of public schools or, or questions about is there a library. That's racism, mm. right? That, that we can continue to, to say all of us must learn, but other kids can learn in schools where um, they still pick the trees. That mm. is racism, mm. right? Um, but I also, you know, I remember my own learning, uh, and I went to a public school, um, and I think about just how the language itself, right, so one of the glaring things for me is we talk about separate, you know, the, uh, the, a lot of the time now when we talk about uh, language as discriminatory, we look at, yeah, no, when we get to these schools, we're, we're forced to speak English and only yeah. English. I think the other key thing that we often overlook is it is really problematic and baffling that in a country like South Africa, we take our children to school and the main language of instruction is English. What does that do to them? Mm. So I have a two-year-old, right? Um, and I recently sent him to daycare. And when we got there, they, were, they said to me, yeah, the school's bilingual. And there was like a flicker of hope, but they only meant it, it's bilingual in, in English and Afrikaans. Hmm. And I said to them, well, my child is black, right? Hmm. Um, what's going to happen? And he's two. Hmm. So when he comes home, you can see the confusion. He doesn't know what language to send her. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that part of their life is a very important um, growth phase in terms of their, their early childhood development as well. And language plays a huge, huge part in this, mm. uh, no doubt. Um, Definitely. Mm, so um, one other thing, and, and you speak about learners not having to necessarily be the ones to take up the fight. So what then, for example, can a school governing body do? What role can an SGP play in this particular part? And... Um, you know, why shouldn't this not be overlooked at all, the power that SGBs have in schools in South Africa? Okay. Um, I think SGBs have power, right, in that they can, they can question um, teaching practices and what is being taught. But essentially, the school can either listen or not listen, right? Mm. So I think we can't, we can't give... You can't put all of this to either SGB. Like I said, we need political will, right? Mm. We need we need government to say this is South Africa is a form, is a former colony. Mm. So how we teach and what we teach has to speak to this reality, right? Mm. Um, I mean, even when I think I wanted to also mention the issue of curriculum, right? Yeah. 
um, and how, yes, we had, we had university students say decolonize, but we never hear the story about high school. Well, we must also decolonize there. Mm. And I was talking, I was talking to one of my uh, comrades yesterday, saying that when I was first introduced to, to South African history, it started in 1652, right? It starts with the arrival of Jan van Riebeck, a racist. As, as, as so to say, that is when life for black people began, and yeah. we all know that it began thousands of years long before that. Yes. Yeah. And imagine what all this does to young black people mm. in these schools. We begin to think there's something wrong with us. Mm. Right, mm. Um, and so I think I think you know even our, even the SGB body itself sometimes it's, there's a possibility that our understanding as South Africans of racism and and the impact our history of colonialism has on us is is quite limited unless you yourself go and do the research. And this is because in schools we don't talk about this. We act like we, we act like South Africa is not a racist country, hmm. right? And, yeah. and you know, I keep going to my two-year-old son and, and his crash because I even asked to look at the book and, and they're all just white children. I said, but he's not going to find himself here. Mm, mm. And what happens, what kind of adults do we grow up into? Hmm. That is a powerful point, um, Rishoki, and uh, we appreciate your time in this regard. Uh, so much can be said about this and, you know, a few-minute conversation is not nearly enough, but I think it is a great opportunity to spark interesting conversations and to yeah. ask more questions that can inspire some sort of action and doing. So we're going to have to pause our conversation for now, but we do appreciate your time so much and just your insight into this topic. Thank you so much. Mapokhole, who speaks on behalf of Equal Education. Um, in a moment, we'll bring in the SA Council of Educators because, I mean, there's a question of ethics as well mm. on the part of the educator and the role that they play in this issue of perpetuating racist behavior in schools. And is there any way of assessing this prior to a teacher or an educator going into the mix with learners? So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that part of the conversation in just a moment. All right. Now, we continue our conversation around systemic racism in schools. And uh, our next guest on the line represents the South African Council of Educators, Legal and Ethics. Um, of course, uh, this is the legal and ethics manager, Mr. George Murroasi, who joins us on the line now. Good morning. Thank you for your time. When we talk about issues of racism in schools, I mean, there's no question that the educator can play, uh, in fact, plays a pivotal role in you know, either eradicating it, being a part of that, or perpetuating it. So, you know, what is your assessment of, um, you know, what is happening in our schools, particularly with these incidents of racism that we see? Morning, Mo, and morning to the listeners. Uh, uh, to what you mentioned, it is, it is indeed so that uh, an educator may uh, play a pivotal role in eradicating and or perpetuating it. By that I mean that we learn the most from our educators and they are the ones who may uh, or who has to actually show us the way. Mm. Currently we have learned of uh, sporadic incidences in schools of racism. Some of them we have learned through the media some have been uh, directly brought to our attention as the South African Council for Educators. Mm. So uh, to your statement, 
the cases currently at hand that have been brought to our attention are those that involve educators perpetuating or they themselves uh, being instigators Mm. of racism. So we are investigating those. Mm. Then there are these ones where there's parents fighting among themselves, Mm. learners fighting among themselves, which actually have nothing to do with an educator per se, Mm, but may have something to do with the overall general management of a school, which results in uh, unhappiness by community or parents or learners in question. Mm. So, uh, is there any way, George, that we can um, assess you know, the mindset of an educator before they even step into a classroom to say this is their view on um, society, this is their view and their feelings about other races? Because I think the straightforward question that a layman would ask is, why do we have racist teachers in our classrooms? It's extremely difficult. Mind you, when, let me make an example. When you... Uh, approach Metro FM or when you are invited to an interview, for example, by Metro FM, mm. the one thing that you will suppress and never will show is that you are raised anyway. Everyone will be saying, no, 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 I am raised diversity, I am, I am. Yet, in truth and fact, they are not that. It's extremely difficult to assess whether a person, by that I mean revealing the real person. Mm. That is where we step in. Mm. However, at uh, the beginning, it is extremely, extremely difficult, unless if you are to ask pertinent questions during interviews. But still, during uh, that period, it may still be extremely difficult to uncover and peel the the onion, because everyone will claim, no, 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 Mm. Uh, I am not racist. Hmm. It's exactly what you hear. Suppose you charge an educator with racism. Hmm. The person they tell you, no, uh, I'm not a racist. Uh, That this came out wrong. It was a misunderstanding and so forth. Hmm. However, when you uh, ask specifically about their way of conduct and so forth, Hmm. you can make out they are as racist as it it comes, mm. but it's difficult sure. to yeah. sure. the state of mind. George, what about things such as diversity training or sensitivity training uh, for the perpetrator or the the person who really does um, say racist things or act in a racist manner? And how can we be proactive in the sense that having that training before an incident happens? Still, like I said, it's extremely difficult to assess. However, for example, let's look at the current state in uh, the schools in question. There is no doubt that uh, something has happened there. It would not have just fled up. Mm. Something happened. Mm. Now it takes or it's an indictment on the schools to say, guys, let us look into ourselves. We are not saying we are or we are not, yes. but as I say, we know 
there is something, there's no smoke without fire. Mm. Therefore, it's an indictment on those schools to say, guys, let's have a training on this for all of mm. us. Whether uh, you think you are or you are not, it may just help those hidden races in the school if they are. So what you mentioned is indeed very important. As I said, it's an indictment on the schools to say, let's introspect. Let's do something about this situation because it may get worse. Mm. It may get worse. And it's an indictment on other schools because we know one another. When we work together, we know one another. Mm. Mm. We know who is, who is not, but we ignore. We tend to ignore. Hence, it is important for schools now to say, guys, let's just have uh, these diversity, such kinds of incidences, because they are embarrassing to, 